Welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum more. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of Punch It. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan, we got some exciting new stuff to talk about today. Please tell me that you saw the video for Star Trek Discovery that came out as of today, the 31st of January. I did, and I was all tingly. It warmed my cockles, and I was blown away. My skirt was over my head. It was insane. Loved it. What did you think? Well, it I don't know if it blew up my scant, but I was pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to call you out on the whole skirt thing because I, I could actually see you wearing a scant. You'd pull it off very well. Well, thank you. I do have the legs for it, so my mother yeah, told me. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> but no, we got to see a lot more of Discovery, little glimpses, little reveals of what the show is going to look like. Right off of the top, what was the most exciting thing that we saw? To you. To me, the most exciting thing was the uniform. Yes, me too. Hardcore, absolutely. Now, here's the thing, is that some people were saying like, oh, this is so great. It's going to be all blue, kind of like Enterprise. So it's going to be a bridge between Enterprise and TOS because the reason why they thought everybody's going to be blue is because it was a blue uniform and we saw an engineering uh, logo on the chest. But I think... They're trying to fool us, and what we saw was actually a dress uniform, because if you look at the armpits, they have triple gold braiding. Yes. And so I'm like, that would be kind of weird to have all the time. So my money is on the on it being a, uh, a dress uniform, because the collar was also very stiff. It was a very stiff collar. Yes, I noticed this too. It did look very formal, and that said, it looks beautiful. It does. That said, though, I do think you're onto something, and we're going to see these uniforms, of course, but it would not surprise me in the least if you are right, and they are trying to mess with us just a little bit, and these are not the quote-unquote more casual, everyday uniforms. Yeah, and on top of that, we saw some more ship designs. Mm -hmm. We saw the discovery uh, from a few different angles, which was some art concepts on the wall, so we don't know if that's truly what the final product is going to look like or i mean it does look changed from that horrible teaser that they showed us uh, like that announcement <laughs> teaser a while back uh, and they also showed us some other ship designs too that i'm really excited about and they also uh, showed us some sets from the outside and a peek at the captain's chair yes. oh it was you could tell that this was this trailer was made with so much care that it was like, this is what's going to get the fans' hearts going. Yeah, you nailed it. It's going to get us, the fans, excited. The general audience, not yet. These are the things that we've been waiting for. These are the things that we are excited about, like the captain's chair or mm -hmm. uh, the more refined designs of Discovery. And I'm glad that you said it wasn't probably a finished product. It's sort of like they want to tell us a little bit, but not the full. They don't want to show us the finished product just yet. And so we, we might see just a little bit different of a discovery in the pilot 
just like this is a little different than what we saw as an earlier concept several months ago now at this point. Although right. I do say, I, I, I do have to say, I do think it's a little more balanced now, and I'm liking this ship more and more. I, okay, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that sucks, that's horrible, but whatever. You know, it's just kind of like, <laughs> you, you just kind of move on from it. You know, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this dictate my enjoyment of the show. But right. the second time that I saw this ship, as in, in this teaser, I was like, eh, okay, all right. You know, I'll like, I'll give it till the pilot. Like, I'll figure out how I truly feel about it in action, in motion, with some imaginary characters inside. Right. And for as little as we do know, even though we've gotten little chunks more than we had yesterday, there's still so much that we don't know about this show yet. And so... Like always, I'm going in cautiously optimistic, mm -hmm. and I hope it's going to blow us away. And you know what? I am so excited for new Star Trek because more than ever, we need some new Star Trek. Oh, hell yes. We need some new Star Trek in 2017. It's almost like CBS knew. Hey, 2016 is going to suck. You think 2017 is going to be any better? No, it's not. But at least you'll have new Star Trek. <laughs> at least we have that. We can hang on to that with our bare hands. <laughs> so yeah i'm excited because the thing that i'm most excited for is the production quality yes that is what i'm really excited for is because i feel like we're gonna get an hbo level show of production quality and graphics and everything like that because they're able to kind of adjust the budget a little bit differently because it's not going to be a show that's based on advertising revenue and so they might be able to uh, pull things from here and there to kind of up the quality and give us the wow factor. And even though, you know, from TNG onward, I, I feel like all the shows had some really great production value because there's always some trust in the Star Trek franchise up until Enterprise. I, with this one, with the history of Brian Fuller's shows and that unique aesthetic, I am excited. I feel like we're going to get near movie quality material here for a TV show. Yes, and I know that a lot of people have voiced their their reservations or their unhappiness about the show being delayed twice now. It was going to come out in January 2017. It was going to be May. Yeah. Now it looks like it's going to be later in the year, but you know what? I would much rather have them take the time, all the time that they need to do this show right and get every little detail they want nailed in than to have a rush job. I feel like that is a flaw of the higher-ups and the marketing rather than a flaw a perceived flaw of the show because yeah, it does not mean it's a failing show i think it's the opposite i feel like the mark like the cbs marketing team was just like you know what we got star trek we're gonna announce it this year and we're gonna give them a fantastic date because this is what we're gonna do and then they finally bring somebody on board to get it done and he's probably like he and them and she and everything like that are probably like yeah so reality has set in uh, <laughs> yeah maybe you're right maybe it was wishful thinking on the parts of those who are there to hype it up for us i think that's what it is so i don't blame the show i don't of course this is all guesswork but then again who cares who cares We're, let's just wait until we get the pilot yeah. and actually it's it's probably not even a technically it's it won't be a pilot because true it's a full season order but I whatever that's it's kind right. of short form to say yeah that. who the freak cares we're getting new Star Trek it is going to happen sometime this year and I really hope that it's going to be everything that we want I hope it's going to be a fantastic show we're all going to just binge it like crazy even though we're going to try hard not to so we can absorb it and absorb it and absorb it 
<laughs> oh, well, it's not being released um, a season at a time. Oh, uh, that I'm aware of. But what I mean is when we have all the episodes, I mean, it's going to be really tempting to go through, what is it, all 12 or 13 of them? Just over mm-hmm. and over and over because I remember oh, doing I that with the saying. VHS tapes, you know, back when okay. Star Trek was airing. I would watch it just several times over. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it again. I just, I just am. <laughs> <laughs> so much time is going to be devoted once again to Star Trek, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Star Trek, our topic of the day is something I brought up to you, and you immediately said, yes, 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 we're doing this. Why don't you tell everybody what that is? <laughs> well, okay, I want to tell the history a little bit, because uh, uh, okay. so, so you, you and I, we neither one of us do a show that we're not excited about. It's true. If we're not passionate about it, we're not in. Yeah, and that's the thing is that like if if I'm trying if I have to convince you to do something, then it's a bad idea. If you have to convince me to do something, then it's a bad idea. And so that's kind of how we go towards our show because we have complete control over our show and we do what we want and it's just the two of us. And so you have you had this great idea of creating a new segment, a new type of show, and that's taking a character and creating a backstory for them. We've done it before where we've taken a character and created a story where we've created an episode or a short story or something like that. But this one is taking a character and somebody who we don't know a lot about and then developing their birth story, their childhood, their teenage years, whatever it is, and creating that story from scratch. Right. And we're doing it on the fly today because that's what we love to do. And you have pitched a few characters to me in the past where I'm just like, oh, my God, who cares? Why would we do a backstory on that character? Nobody cares about that character. Specifically, let's name names. We're All right. Speci- yeah. I wasn't going to, but if you want to, that's fine. I, I, well, the reason why is I want to gauge audience reaction. I want people to okay. write in and say whether they'd actually be interested in this or not. And my great first suggestion when we developed this idea was, what about somebody like David Wallace from The Office? We don't know much about this guy. And you said, oh, my God, barf. That's so boring. <laughs> I did, Okay, think about it. You're going to choose... <laughs> Here we go again. (laughs) You're going to choose the straight man from The Office. Out of all of the crazy characters, you're going to choose the CFO, the chief financial officer, who has no nonsense, no nothing. And what are we going to say? Like, oh, yeah, no, he totally went to Ball University and uh, he got his his degree in accounting. And then uh, there you go. You know, like, I'm sorry. It's just like for me, I'm just like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, so we effectively killed that idea several months ago when we were developing this show. However, if you want a David Wallace backstory or even have some ideas you want to pitch and tell Tristan that he needs to reconsider, hey, by all means, the floodgates, let's open them. (laughs) Because I don't think it's that bad of an idea because usually everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And even if he's the most boring guy on the planet, something has happened. We could make that up. I, I would be interested, because I, uh, but I feel like most everyone's going to be contrarian and going to say, oh, I would totally love that. Just, yeah. Okay, let's go in with the stipulation that if you do agree that that is a good backstory idea, you have to go in with a suggestion as to why it would be entertaining. Okay. How about that? Make everybody do a little bit of thought, a little bit of work. Now, you did come at me with an, an idea that I think was good, but not as good as the one that we're going to talk about today. The one that I thought was good was Teddy from Bob's Burgers. 
Yeah, and I still want to do that sometime. However, today's episode is the ding, ding, ding winner. And that is, and I knew you would latch onto this immediately because of who it is. That person is Lieutenant J, who was a frequent helmsman on the Enterprise D and Next Generation, played by Tracy Coco. She's just an extra. Just an extra. We don't know hardly anything about her. I mean, yes, she has a name, and that is really about it. So we have the whole galaxy to explore, to use, to develop this character. I'm very excited. I knew that you would absolutely give this one a chance, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, absolutely, because for those of you who might not remember who she is, you know, Next Gen, she was in a few of the movies, uh, she was in a lot of the TV show, and she was the helmsman. She was a white female who had the kind of like the faux hawk yes. you know, hairstyle. And so I'm sure that every single person who's a Star Trek fan is thinking like, oh, yeah, oh, that person. Now, I totally recognize that person. She was she was way more in uh, Generations. Like she was she was pretty yeah. she was featured pretty heavily in Generations. And we know nothing, nothing about her. She started off as an ensign and then we saw her as a lieutenant junior grade. Uh, we saw her bounce around in a few different colors, I think, Did which she? is a little weird. Yeah, we mainly saw her in. I can't remember if we saw her in blue or not, but we mainly saw her in engineering gold. But then in the movie, in Star Trek Generations, we saw her in red. I don't think we saw her in blue, but don't quote me on that. I just can't remember that at all. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I remember gold and I do remember red in Generations for sure. Yes. And I forgot she was actually in Star Trek Insurrection. She was in a uh, dress uniform welcoming the Evora. Yeah, I didn't know that. She's been along for the ride. She has been a part of this journey. And there's this really great blooper. Like, <laughs> check out the blooper. I can't remember what season it was. But uh, you just see a Jonathan Frakes, and he just screams Tracy's name. And then she looks stunned and then starts to run away. And then he runs after her like she's in on the joke. And Yeah, is, it's pretty adorable. It's absolutely adorable. And so when you said like hey let's let's do this i i was all about it and also you met tracy coco and got me an autograph and mailed it to me yes i sure did i i mean i saw her there i just happened to it was a chance encounter you know a lot of times at the conventions especially star trek las vegas there's kind of like a rotation of guests there to sign and they're there at random times just so happened she was there. When I was there, there was no line. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. this is the universe speaking to me. I'm going to go Tristan an autograph. And I'm going to tell her <laughs> uh, how much you love her. <laughs> and so I did. And she just thought that was fantastic. She was really gracious. I love Tracy Coco. You can follow her on Twitter. Just find her name. That's what it is. And I know your fondness for Lieutenant J. I mean, it's special because she was such a minor character. And yet she is so much a part of the family because she was there for so long. So let's do her a service now and determine what's up with this girl. Where does she come from? What's happened in her life? Why is she in Starfleet? What are her aspirations, her hopes, and her dreams? All of it. The first thing that popped in my head when you said, let's develop a backstory for Jay was Turkana 4. Okay, why? Do you remember Turkana 4? Very vaguely. I know I've heard it, but I don't remember what happened there. What's up? It's the home planet of Tasha Yar. That is so interesting because my idea going in was also sort of a Tasha Yar-esque character, but not quite so much trauma, but... Yes. Yeah, I was I was thinking that too. Like, she doesn't have... Maybe she's from Turkana. She's a part of that culture. 
but at the same time, maybe her parents got out before the fall, uh, before it broke away from uh, the Federation. Hmm. Uh, we see that the fall of Turkana Four happened in the in the twenty three fifties, and she was around in the twenty three seventies. Uh huh. So that re- that doesn't really work then. I have another idea. Let me pitch this to you. Go for so it. So we know she's human. She ha- she certainly looks human, and so let's just say that yeah. she's human. But I don't think she grew up on Earth. I do think it's cool that she grew up somewhere else. What about something, though, a little closer to home? Like, what if she grew up on the Mars colony or something? I think we could definitely do that. I, I, let, me, let me tell you my reasoning, and this is probably a crap reasoning. <laughs> well, tell me, and then I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, the reason why I went towards Turkana 4 is because of her hair. A little outcast-ish, and, like, Ishara Yar had a strange-ish looking haircut, too. I see the vibe. Yeah, like, that's the thing. If you look at Tasha's hair and you look at Tasha's sister's hair, it's all very kind of faux hockey and, you know, like, shorter on the sides, longer on the front and everything like that. And so I know that you don't have to be from Turkana 4 in order to have that kind of hairstyle <laughs> in the 24th century. I just thought it would be a nice little connection. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you like that connection, we can build a reasoning behind it where she doesn't have that tragic backstory. If you don't think that's good enough, we could totally do Mars or Luna or something. Yeah, I'd kind of rather go the other route just because that's sort of the whole like faux hawk thing sort of buys into the whole monoculture thing that Star Trek loves to do where everybody looks the same, everybody acts the same. If they're a part of that culture, they all do the same things. And eh, we know that people are a little more different. I just want to think that maybe she's just a little, she's a thing for herselfer. She's a little bit of a punk rock girl. <laughs> well, you suck because I want to do Turkana 4, but that's okay. Uh, we'll move on. Um, well, we don't have to do my way either. We could come up with an alternative. Hmm, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We could make her a boomer. A boomer? <laughs> Did she grow up on freighters? Uh, nah, that's tired. <laughs> what if she was on a space station? Like, what if she was born on a space station? Ooh. Something like Deep Space Nine. Now, that could be interesting where she's used to a major mix of cultures, species, races, that sort of a thing. and Or that offers some options for her parentage, too. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. Let's do that. So let's say she was born on Deep Space Five. Okay. Now, do we know where Deep Space Five is? I know that it's been mentioned before. Uh, it looks like Deep Space Five was located near the planet of Ivor Prime. It does not okay. look anywhere near big enough to be <laughs> like Deep Space Nine. Uh, oh, it sort of looks like um, Regula, strangely enough. Yeah, that's odd. It's almost like they use the same model. Hmm. They wouldn't do that, though, would they? Nah. <laughs> All right, well, let's go with something that is... Let's do something that hasn't been mentioned before. Let's yeah. do, like, Deep Space 8. Let's do Deep Space 8. It doesn't even have to be a deep space. I mean, this could be some sort of thing where we just say it's a space station. Hey, I like it, okay? I want the Deep Space connection. It's Deep Space Ugh, 8. Whatever, fine. Okay, there we go. Deep Space 8. So, <laughs> Jay What's-Her-Name was born on Deep Space 8. Do we give her a last name? Do we give her a family name? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Do we or do we not? Because maybe a part of her mystique is that one word name. Okay. All right. So she's like Madonna or Cher. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. (laughs) J. Just simply J. Like Spock. Just J. Yeah. That's all we need to know is J. All right. There we go. So J was born on Deep Space 8. So this is a Federation space station. She's already around. She's she's a member of the Federation. She's human. 
uh, it's a good possibility that her parents are in Starfleet. Do we want to say one or both was in Starfleet or neither? Hmm. Maybe they were just a part of the D- Deep Space Eight. There's a couple of options here. We could say that, yes, she grew up in a Starfleet family or she could even be sort of like a Starfleet brat. Maybe she got moved around a lot when she was younger. That's one option. Maybe she has one parent that's in Starfleet and there's maybe some tension about that because maybe they get transferred all the time or maybe this is their opportunity to settle in one place for a little while since it is a station or neither one of them is involved in Starfleet. And let's say maybe they're merchants a la Quark's. Just trying to make a living, make their way in the universe. But she, she was exposed to Starfleet. Well, you gave me about five options <laughs> instead of actually going into a direction. Sorry, I'm just trying to explore possibilities here. Let's say this. Let's merge a whole bunch of them. Okay. Let's say that her roots are on Mars. Okay, she was born on Mars. I was mainly thinking, like, um, maybe her father was born on Mars and is a Starfleet officer and then was stationed on Deep Space Eight and fell in love with a merchant. Okay. And and like and then they had Jay, and then they raised Jay, and they stayed on Deep Space Eight for a long time. And so she was surrounded by tons and tons and tons of different types of cultures. Sure, but with the structure of Starfleet. Yes, and so she knows the Starfleet system, she knows the Federation system, but at the same time, it's kind of like living abroad. It's like uh, yeah. it's like basically living on a military base in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do we want to make her kind of like a Starfleet brat then? Yeah, I think we can go with that, yeah. Maybe she spent the majority of her growing up years on Deep Space Eight, and therefore that is home to her. But maybe she has some times in her past that were pretty traumatic where she had to move. Maybe her dad got reassigned. Had to go on a starship or three. Let's shy away from the word traumatic. Let's let's shy away from that word because maybe she just got used to it. Maybe she just, like, she spent a majority of her childhood on Deep Space Eight, but when she was a teenager, she got moved around a lot, or maybe she got her father got stationed on a ship, and she got used to that. She just got used mm. to moving around. She got used to not being in one place all the time, and thus why okay. she pursued something in, uh, in Starfleet herself. Maybe so. On one front, that does make some sense. However, getting moved around a lot, I think, as a child can have a profound effect where nothing really ever feels like home after a while. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm tying in experiences from friends I know who really were in this sort of a situation where they did get moved around a lot. And it was, it was traumatic for them. I don't think that's too strong of a word. But there is a personality type out there where, Maybe she is more of the type to embrace the adventure. And yes, she's sad, but she's also excited for the new things. And maybe that's what eventually did lead to her enlisting in Starfleet and saying, look, I'm up for the adventure and I want to keep seeing the whole galaxy. And this is my Mm -hmm. ticket to do that. And then she gets assigned to the Enterprise for years and years and years. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like the idea of her being a history nut where she is constantly trying to find, because... She was stationed on Deep Space Eight for such a big portion of her childhood. She craves finding out new cultures and experiencing new cultures and learning new histories of these cultures and learning their customs and their ways and everything like that, where Mm -hmm. she is a history buff and an archaeology buff or something like that, where because she wants to soak all of that in. Yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing, Char. I know know exactly what I'm doing. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 I'm with you. <laughs> I am laying the groundwork. I am laying a foundation for what's coming. <laughs> Keep talking. I like where you're going. <laughs> so, okay. So she she's in Starfleet. Her parents are very proud. Her parents are very proud. And so she got stationed on the flagship. So like before we find out she got stationed on the flagship, who is she at Starfleet Academy? What's it like? Like, hmm. is she able to mesh with these people? Is she able to stay in one place for four years and be okay with it? <laughs> you know, I think maybe a part of her does get a little restless just because she got so used to moving around so much. And my immediate thought is maybe she thought she would go on a little bit of a diplomacy sort of a track because she has such great experience with so many cultures and so many other beings. I mean, that's been her life. She knows more than a lot of other people. And so I think one of the big obstacles maybe that she encounters on Earth are people who are not as aware as her. People who are afraid a little bit of the unknown and maybe not as open-minded. No, I think that's I think that's quite possible. I think that's a that's a view of Starfleet Academy that I would actually find sad if that's the case. Oh, me too. Me too, because that's very much against the Federation. But people do, just by nature, fear the unknown. And so people wonder, what is it really like? I mean, I'm going into this a little shaky. There's probably, despite the utopia that they've reached in the 24th century humanity, not perfect, as well as other alien races. I don't know if I like that idea. I, I, that's... I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying maybe there's a little bit of reality to it. Or am I imposing the 21st century on the 24th? I was going to say, I was like, let, like, get your 21st century out of my 24th. I uh, <laughs> Okay. All right. I don't want to taint it anyway. I say. I like the idea of her thinking about going into diplomacy. And I like that idea where that's where she starts to go. But I want her to do something a little bit. Like, I can totally relate to what I'm about to say because I'm about to say it. Uh, okay. When I went to school, I had a very firm idea of what I wanted to do. I was just like, this, uh-huh. this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And I did not do a 180, but I definitely veered off and started taking a different track. Uh-huh. And so I like the idea of her because she's she loves archaeology and history and and paleontology and things like that and other cultures. I like the idea of her going towards it, but then we also need to realize that in the show, now granted it's because she was an extra, but in <laughs> the show We've seen her at operations. We've seen her at the transporter. We've seen her working on the bridge. We've seen her working on the helm. Yes. And so she's kind of become this everyman. And so what if she goes in to work for diplomacy, but then realizes like, wow, I am really good at engineering. Like I am super good at operations. Like I know how to fix things. I know how to analyze things. It just works. It just clicks. And so maybe... I should be doing this full time and I'm just going to keep the cultural stuff and the history stuff as a hobby or a minor. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely think that would be fantastic because I think that's what happens a lot when a lot of people go to college. They go in with an idea of what they want to do. And then after they take a few classes and whatnot, realize I didn't make the best choice here. I'm going to switch to something else. And You have to kind of go through that exploration and figure out who you really are and what you really want. And I love that idea, too, just because diplomacy is almost too easy for her. She needs a little more of a challenge. And 
let's just say, let's make it up, that she is a remarkably good problem solver. Yeah. Engineering, bam, that is where problem solvers need to go. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And because she was raised on a space station, and because she moved around either from station or from ship to ship, she knows how they work. It's just second nature. Yeah. And so she she kind of admits to herself that, all right, you've won, universe. Like, I wanted to do one thing, but I'm going to do what I'm good at. It's not necessarily what I thought I wanted, but it's definitely what I'm good at. And so... Wait, no, I think we need to make a distinction that she's good at both of these things, but her real calling is not diplomacy. Okay. All right. It's it's engineering. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that. And so I want to say she does so well that right out of the academy, right out of the academy, she's put on the flagship. She is put on the Enterprise. And maybe she did something. She wrote a paper that was very insightful where Jordy was like, I need this person on the Enterprise. Mm, that's a little too quick of a success story. I want her to have to work a little harder for it. Now, we do see her as an ensign on the Enterprise. Now, we can make it a little bit harder if you want. Like, we could put in a ship in between or a station in between. I like the idea of her being, like, super awesome and so Jordy brings her on, but because he just cannot find good help <laughs> in the in engineering. Oh, yeah, no. Well, I mean, he is stuck with Barkley, <laughs> who's this absolute savant and wonderful at what he does, but he can be very difficult to deal with socially. Here's what I'm thinking is I do think that she should have one stepping stone on her way to the Enterprise and whatever work she does on that ship, that's what gets her recognized and immediately she gets snatched up and promoted over to the Enterprise. Let's say they put her on the Melbourne. Okay, we know the Melbourne. And, sure, um, yeah. She gets Anything off. but the Farragut. Yes, yeah, oh, that's that's said too many times. Um, yes. But yeah, like say that she's on the Melbourne, but she gets off before Wolf 359, obviously. Okay, sure, yeah. So she wrote an awesome paper in the Academy. That gets her the Melbourne. Uh, what does she do on the Melbourne to get her noticed to go to the flagship? The thing is, is she's not exclusively engineering, so I don't want to say it's something like warp right. theory, that right. focused. It's operations. I have an idea. She, has, she writes a proposal for maybe streamlining workflow for, let's say, operations officers that is a little think out of the box. And it occurs to many people, Jordy included, like, wow, this is really kind of an interesting thought. I never thought of it this way, but it does work better. Let's implement it. And that's what gets her recognized. It's not very sexy, but no. I mean, it gets the job done. Yeah, no, I, I, I could go for something like that. Well, like, I think it needs, I think it needs to be something technical on top of that. I think. Uh, or what if it's something about cross-training between, let's say, the helm operations, weapon stations, or what have you, to make Starfleet officers more versatile and more cross-disciplined because she is such a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, the method that I, was going, that I was going towards is because I really like your idea, but what if we combine even more where because of her cultural background and because of what she started to study, what if she finds a way to make duty shifts more advantageous to the ship utilizing the specific crew that's on board so it's not just oh you have this duty shift because uh you have this specialty or this duty shift because of this specialty what if she's able to blend certain cultures and ways of working and ways of thinking oh. because she can analyze oh this person 
comes from this region of this particular planet. They do a little bit better at nighttime or like in the, in the like that, uh-huh. that that kind of thing. I mean, like I'm oversimplifying sure, it. Yeah, like this race of people, they are really strong communicators and they are nocturnal, things of that nature. And then she creates an algorithm that helps create schedules based on those factors. But a non-racist one because it takes in the individual into account. Let us specify. <laughs> Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> we're not just putting in the generalizations. We're putting in a full personality profile as well. Yes, like, well, Vulcans, uh, they're very logical. So you're going to go here and you can no, only do this. No. Yeah. Yes. no, that would be the 21st century version there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 24th century is much more concise. And so that's that's how it happens. So maybe it's Data who notices her and not Jordy. Okay. And then brings her on board and says, like, oh, I got to have this person. Got to be a part of my team. And then, then, because we're running out of time here. Already. Oh, my gosh. She comes on board. And it's customary for all new crew members to meet the captain. Yes, of course. And so she goes to his ready room. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, like, hey, you know, Ensign Jay, I've, I've heard a lot of great things about you. And uh, I, I'm, I'm interested here. It's like, well, you started... You started with diplomacy and archaeology, and then you transitioned into operations and engineering. What changed? You know, like, what happened? And then she gives her reasoning. She talks about it. And then Picard's like, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of dabble in archaeology. And then all of a sudden, they form this connection. They have this bond. And Ooh, so Picard idea. always notices Jay. Yes, I, we had to implement this somewhere, this weird connection that the two have. And it, I love the fact that you also made the connection that it was going to be archaeology. Because the moment that came out of your mouth, I knew that's where you were headed. <laughs> we needed to go there. What if she recognizes some sort of artifact in Picard's ready room or something, though? What if we just simplify it and then they just geek out? And yes. from that point forward, they are friends. I like that idea because here's the thing. And we do not have enough time to do it, but we should do it in the future. I'm going to say, let's do a part two where uh-huh. where and I, I i like everybody should know where i'm going and if you don't know where i'm going <laughs> yet i'm going to tell you right now episode 2 of the backstory of jay is going to be punch it lieutenant jay the backstory colon romancing picard boom <laughs> and the premise we're going to have to have picard and jay go on some sort of indiana jones adventure <laughs> together it's going to be it. like that's the thing is that like we're going to do our next episode on the fly is going to be a Captain Picard slash Ensign, maybe Lieutenant Junior Grade J episode. Boom. There it is, folks. Okay. That's what's happening. Oh, cool. I can't wait. This will be very exciting. I know that we have that little subculture of Trek fandom that is infatuated with Lieutenant J just as much as you. This is all for them. <laughs> All right, there you have it. We are all set, therefore, for next week. That's fantastic. And in the meantime, between these two episodes, everybody go to thenerdparty.com. Check out all of the podcasts that we have coming your way every single day of the week. They are all fantastic. We've got Star Wars. We've got Star Trek. We have this show. We've got movies. You name it. We've got Harry Potter now. All sorts of good stuff. Something for everybody and growing. Also, if you've not uh, subscribed, you can find us on Twitter. It's Join Nerd Party. And on Facebook, give us a like, facebook.com slash the nerd party. Also, you can find me and Tristan both on Twitter if you want to interact with us personally. My handle is Oath Profanity. And where can everybody find you, Tristan? I am at the Insane Robin. Okay, so... 
This one is in the can, but I'm so excited for next week when, once again, we're going to punch it with Lieutenant J. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.